0: I respectfully for the Roberts if I could just step in and without an introduction, turn your attention to the Word of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 54, for I feel completely in the will of God. About a month or so ago, I was planning to be here and I began to study in the Word of the Lord and I began to read a scripture in Isaiah chapter 54 and uh, not a sermon I have preached before, and not a sermon I've really, or a subject I've really dealt with in this particular text, and God began to speak to me concerning it, and I began to feel the direction of the Holy Ghost, and then the service was canceled. Oh, COVID. What's wrong with COVID? Messing everything up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But it stayed with me, and I couldn't let go of it, and I preached other places but this thought just stayed with me in mind for coming to this city and to this church and so I ask you to read with me in the book of Isaiah chapter 54 and I would be remiss if I did not tell you how much I honor your pastor, his wife, their children, their service in this city for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. You are blessed. Not only that but Elder Brother Staten and I say that respectfully. His wife, giants of the faith, I cannot tell you how much those of us that are younger look to his life and his wife and their ministry, and thank God for an example of what ministry should look like. And I'm thankful for Elder Brother and Sister State, and it's just a delight to get to be here with you. I am keeping my remarks short that we could clearly move to the word of the Lord. For all those who have hosted us, and Brother Roberts, Sister Roberts, and if you don't know, I know Joshua and Jess especially Joshua grew up in our district and when I was youth secretary and youth president I've watched him grow up I'm so proud of them and what God is doing and I would be remiss if I didn't just announce that that I love them and appreciate them and this great church I look around and some familiar faces so good to be with you will you just forgive me as I move quickly to the word of the Lord is that okay I'm just delighted to be with you I'm honored to be here Isaiah chapter 54 verse 1 we'll read five verses and then we'll skip down to the end And it also is good. We were supposed to be here with my whole family a couple weeks ago. Just the way things are going. Only my son was able to make it today. I'm glad he's with me. I love my son. And thankful for his, what God is doing in his life. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing. And cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate, and we're going to come back to this, than the children of the married wife, which makes no sense in our minds, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. This eternal covenant of peace is a wonderful chapter. I wish we, uh, for sake of time, I won't read it all, but God is beginning to declare what he is going to do through his people. Verse 3, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not. Uh, Wait a minute. Let's go back to verse 3. I want you to pick up on that word again, the desolate cities to be inhabited. Wow. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. For thy maker is thine husband. yes. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. Skipping down to verse 16. This is what we must deal with, these last two verses. After 15 verses of Prosperity, we are reminded of two verses in this great covenant of peace that says this, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to destroy. Now this is what the Lord says, I have, I have, go back to verse 16, I have created. The waster to destroy. Verse 17. But no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. When they begin to sing that first verse of that song, they begin to sing. I don't know if you remember what it says that we just got done singing. There is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. I just felt something jump in my spirit. I knew I was already in the will of the Lord. But something said, you got to preach. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is... Of me, saith the Lord. I'll simply preach no weapon. Now, if you will pray, I I cannot express to you how we need the help of the Holy Ghost. I cannot express to you that I need the help of the Holy Ghost. And you need the help of the Holy Ghost to be able to receive what I'm going to preach. Before you pray, I want you to picture your mind one second. We're singing the, the chorus, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Imagine if Job were here this morning. And he began to sing, No weapon formed. I can't sing, so forgive me. Shall prosper. And Job began to say, I'm gonna see. A victory. You talk about a fire lighting up this place. So if you think, if you think I can preach this, you're clearly mistaken. Because I have no strength in my own ability to stand here like Job and preach what I'm getting ready to preach. I have no ability to testify of the things that Job could testify, or that Daniel could testify, or that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego could testify. But I have come to preach to you that by the power of the word of God, no weapon formed against you and no weapon formed against the church shall prosper. Come on, lift your hands and pray right now. Lift your hands and ask the Lord to touch you to receive this word. Come on, pray for the preacher right now in the power of the Holy Ghost. If you have a need in this place, I want you to lift your hands and ask God to strengthen us right now. Come on, we need the touch of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Strengthen this vessel right now. Strengthen this congregation right now. Strengthen those that are listening by the way of the Internet, God. Let somebody receive what you're going to do in the next few moments in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When we get to the end, I know we're going to try and stay in place, and that's all right. Just make yourself some room. I'm going to ask you to respond when we get to the end of this sermon. I'm going to ask you to put your faith in action. Somebody said amen. If you've never repented of your sins, I want you to repent of your sins today and see what God will do in your life. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to pray at the end of this service that God would fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence and speaking of to their tongues. There's something in this place for somebody. If you have a need and you're facing a situation at the end of this service, I want you to stand. They're going to sing, and I want you to begin to pray right where you're at. And I want you to begin to declare the victory that is given to us in the world. Word of God. The chapter preceding our text. Is the chapter of Isaiah chapter 53. It is one of the most descriptive and powerful chapters of prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah. I'll simply read one verse for you out of Isaiah chapter 53 that says this But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. After coming out of Isaiah chapter 53, knowing that we have the promise of the Messiah, God begins to speak to us in the chapter, Isaiah chapter 54, telling us that he would make a covenant of peace with us, that he would give us great victory. And then he ends this chapter, or this chapter ends with this particular phrase that says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. If the preacher is not careful, any preacher is not careful, he would be in great temptation to preach to the desire of the flesh today. And that desire would be to preach this, that you will face no weapons from this day forward. If the preacher were uh, tempted, I would be tempted to preach to you today that you will leave this room and no weapon will ever come against you again. That is not the truth. The truth is the Bible says that there shall be a weapon formed. It would pacify the flesh flesh today. If I said you're walking into a season of victory, and that is true. But if I said there'll be no weapon in that season, that would be a lie. Because for every season of victory, I believe there is a weapon that comes against it. I've not come to preach a message that would pacify the flesh, but rather for a word for the spiritual man today, the soul of your heart that says this, there will be a weapon, but no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Deception, that greatest weapon of hell, probably perhaps is what we should take time to preach against today. That leads to unbelief in the season of your victory. It is catastrophic for the saint of God. Hebrews 3 and 12 says, Take heed therefore, brethren, lest there be any in you that have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. If anything in this season would push you away from serving God, I want to tell you, it is evil. It is a deception. If anything facing you right now would make you to want to walk away from what God is doing in this last day, I would tell you, take a stand today and say, I see what the enemy is doing, but it is not formed in my life to prosper. The Bible said, No weapon that is formed. That is formed speaks prophetically of the future. That there is a weapon in the making of this season. There is a weapon in the making of the next season. There is a weapon in the making of the next revival. Ain't nobody want to preach with me today. You want a no-weapon sermon. You want a sermon, and I'm teasing, you understand, but you want a sermon that says revival's coming, and there's no weapon even going to be there. I don't know what the Lord is doing. I don't know what COVID is. I don't know where it fits in all the grand schemes and things. I'm not here to prophesy to you what COVID is and how it fits, but I will tell you this. Along with it, the weapon has been devised. Along with this season, the enemy has tried to discourage. Along with this season, the enemy has tried to stop the church. But I come to tell the enemy, there is no weapon formed that shall prosper Against the revival of the church. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. The weapon designed to destroy your faith and your trust in God. It is set against the salvation and against the hope of miracles. It is designed with every sinister matter of malice towards your ministry and towards what God would try and do. The weaponry of warfare in our present day is set for a course of the Antichrist terrain. It appears in my mind to be past being scaled back. I believe revival is ahead. I believe that every revival of God is ordained to be great. To understand it, we declare sometimes, and we say it this way, that the greatest revival is ahead of us. And I would declare that is true. But if that is a fact, then I would submit that the greatest weapons formed against us are ahead of us. That perhaps we have not yet seen what the enemy is going to try and do in the last day through persecution, through deceit. You may not have seen the worst of this thing yet oppression and discouragement and persecution and the working of bitterness and feelings of offense and feelings of things I ought to step away from my church. I don't like what's going on. I don't like this. The enemy is not done yet. And if the days of greatest revival are ahead of us, the weaponry that is formed is going to be great and it's going to try to deceive even the very elect. So we stand at a significant time in the world's history and in the church, and your church, and in your family, and we know that the weaponry being formed against it, the spearhead is aimed at the kingdom of God. Every member, every leader, every child, every young person, every ministry, every department, everything that you're trying to do, the weapon is being formed to withhold revival. Yet I've come to remind you that no weapon formed against you shall... The silly fable goes like this, that the king had a good friend and they liked to hunt together. And the king said to the friend, he said, let's go and hunt. But when they got out there, the the weapon that the, the enemy or the friend had, the friend had, was a gun. And he had it loaded. And the king looked at him and said, why do you have the gun loaded? He said, you shouldn't do that. And the friend said, it's, it's okay. It's all good. And so the king said, man, I, I think you should unload that. But the friend just didn't unload it. And before you knew it, the gun slipped and went off and shot and nearly missed the king except for that it caught his thumb. It, sh- it took the, ki- the king's thumb completely off. The king was so upset as a king would be and said, I told you that this should not have happened. You should have unloaded the gun. You shouldn't have done that. And the king said, uh, the, the man looked at him, The friend said, it's all good. It's all good. Don't worry about it, king. It's all good. And the king said, it's not all good. I'm missing my thumb. And so the king said, you know what? I'm upset with you. And he threw him in prison. In the fable goes, that he threw him in prison so upset at the friend and left him there to rot. And about a year later, the king was out hunting again. And he wasn't with the friend for the friend was in prison. And while he was out hunting, a tribe or an enemy came against them and caught the king. And when they caught this king, they they found out very quickly that this this group of people were cannibals and they like to eat the flesh and they like to eat it completely. And so the king was tied up and he was taken as he were to the group of people to the place where they stayed and as the king was there he all of a sudden they begin to look at him and realize that a thumb was missing and in their culture and in their tradition they could not eat it eat him for he was marred and they released him and sent him back and so he came back to the prison and he said I'm so sorry friend he said I can't believe what I did to you somebody stay with me just a moment the story makes no sense I don't even know why I'm telling it he said, I'm so sorry, I've ruined your life, but I'm gonna release you now. But I want to tell you, I'm so sorry. And the friend said, It's all good, it's all good. He said, How can you say this? You just keep saying it's all good. He said, I'm gonna release you, but you've lost a year of your life. You've been in this prison, you stink, You're, it's just an awful life. How can it be all good? He said, Let me just tell you something, King, it's all good. He said, If I hadn't shot you, you'd have been eaten. But he said, let me tell you the worst news. If you had never put me in prison, I'd been with you today hunting. He said, Nada captured me. And I got two good thumbs. It's all good. I come to tell you, you ain't and may not like my preaching. But the weapon is going to be formed. But it's all good. It's all good. Because the weapon is not... Somebody ought to get it in your spirit when you walk out of here today. It's all good. The weapon will not prosper. Let me take you to why I believe the weapon will not prosper. Let's move back one verse to verse number 16. Behold, I have created the smith. That bloweth the coals in the fire and bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I created the waster to destroy. Genesis teaches us that not only is the power to create in the hand of the Almighty but also the wisdom of its destiny. He made and destined the fields. He created the fowls of the air and he destined them to prosper. He made the man and he made the woman and he created the seas and he created the fields. He not only created it all, but he also had the wisdom to design what would prosper. And when the Lord looked down in the time and the span of history, he said, I am going to allow and I'm going to create the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire. I'm Going to bring it forth an instrument for his work. But I not only am the one that creates it, but I hold the destiny of what it shall do and whether or not it shall prosper. And I want to tell you why you ought to rejoice that it's all good today. Because he's the one who created the weapon in this season, but he's also the one that holds the destiny. The addiction that has come against your family, the deceit that has come against any member of this church, God has allowed for the creation of the enemy and the weaponry, but he did not, in his wisdom, design it to prosper. In fact, in Genesis chapter 24, we learn in the story of Abraham sending his servant to get a wife for Isaac, his son. Three times in Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 21, you need to notice this. The man wandering at her held his peace, to wit whether the Lord had made his journey. Prosperous. Two words there are the same words that are used when we talk about the word prosper when it says no weapon formed. There are two words in this verse that are prosperous. The first word is the word made. It is the same Hebrew word. That word means prosper. It was not only God who designed it, but he would be also the one who would decide whether it was prosperous or not. And the king or Abraham's servant looked and said, I want to know God whether you've designed it that I would meet this woman but I also want to know whether or not you would design it to be prosperous I wish somebody would hear the word of the Lord you might have been asking whether or not what's going on in your life is going to be prosperous Now I'm not speaking about the victory I'm speaking about the weapon and I've come to tell you not only did he allow it to be created And not only is it under his power of creation, but it is also under his wisdom. And I've got an answer for you. It's all good. He designed it not to prosper. (laughs) Reminding that you, our text, is so closely tied to Isaiah 53. It is wise for us to consider the weaponry of Satan right before and leading up to the coming of the Messiah. Not only was it that this weaponry of 400 years of darkness, the people were lost. They had no, as it were, ministry of a prophet. They could not find the voice of God. And it is in this coming of the Messiah that we see the weaponry formed in that day was tantamount to the challenge and to the coming of the Messiah. Hear what I'm saying. That the enemy had to put into place that which he thought could defeat the Messiah coming. There was a. There's an article I read just recently in Southern Europe that they could lose over 22 billion of their olive trees. Italy and Spain are known for their olive trees. And there are certain families that are beginning to realize that the tree had become in 2013, the trees had begun to come under a disease. I won't try and name you the disease, but it is similar to a COVID in fact that it, it gets into the body and it traps it somehow. And in the case of COVID, COVID stops you from getting oxygen. In this case, this disease got into the tree and it stopped it from absorbing water. And now, at a particular place, this entire region of Italy and some of Spain, they are down to 10% of the oil. That that they used to produce olive oil, that, that 10% is not enough to sustain them. They're probably going to lose $22 billion even in this present culture. Not only are they being hit by the pandemic, but they're dealing with this, and there is no cure at this point. The disease spreads quickly. It's called exalea. I'm going to just tell you it like that. On the outside, you see the leaves desiccate. You see the wood turn gray and brown, and the tree di- trees dies. Those that have studied it for years see that it flourishes in warm weather, and it is found a very suitable condition to establish here. I wish I'd hear somebody today. The weaponry has found just as it did in the days of the Messiah. It's found hold in our culture. family said he hasn't given up just yet he said olive oil is on every table in our countryside olives are offered to every visitor in every home olives are our identity and he said we haven't given up yet but scientists believe that they've got to find different varieties that might be resistant to the disease of the olive tree the most familiar ones that they've used the two best known are dying completely And he began to say, if we could just plant maybe 20% of what we lost, it would be a good number to sustain us for a little while. And he made this story or this statement. He said, olives are our story here. And this story is not over yet. I've come to tell you the Messiah was the story of the Israelite people. And though they were in 400 years of darkness, the story was not over yet. And though the enemy had deceived many that Christ would be the problem, and though it would lead to a weaponry of hatred of the Messiah, the weapon formed against his righteousness was at its peak in the days of Jesus' earthly ministry. It aimed its spearhead to the death of the Messiah in his kingdom. It's found its strength not only in its people, but in the people and the hearts of the religious leader. It's civil leaders and an everyday follower of so-called religion of the Israelite people were turned against the coming of the Messiah. Jesus said it like this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. How bad was the weaponry? You do not go in yourselves, and neither suffer them that are entering to go in. You've not only shut it up, but through weaponry you keep everybody, else from going in that's the weaponry of the enemy and as great as that weaponry was and the deceit was it still could not prosper man I've got to hasten it could not prosper against the revelation of who he was. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" And he said, "Some say thou art John the Baptist; some Elias; and others, Je- Jeremiah, or one of the prophets." And the weaponry has deceived many. And some say you're just a false prophet, and some say you're just a you're just a liar. But he said, "Who do you say that I am?" And Simon Peter answered and said unto him thou art the Christ the son of the living God I want to tell you the weaponry shall not stand in this last day if it didn't stand in that day it will not stand and Jesus answered and said unto him blessed art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I've come to tell you, Peter, that the revelation of my father, the revelation is wrapped up in your faith. And you didn't get this by the method of man's wisdom. The revelation is from heaven. And so I've come to proclaim something to you, Peter. I come to say unto you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And no weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon. I know it seems to have stopped. I know it seems to have prospered. I know that the religious leaders are up in it, but no weapon shall prevail against it we're getting there you need to just hold on because I haven't even told you the best part of this sermon yet and if you think I came up with this sermon all by myself, you are grossly mistaken this is the inspiration of the Lord, I'm not smart enough to tell you what I'm about ready to tell you because I could have never figured it out But I've come to tell you that the design of the weaponry is in the wisdom of God not to prosper. He told Adam and Eve, he will bruise your heel, but he shall not prosper, for you shall bruise his head. He told Joseph, or it was said of Joseph in Genesis chapter 3, it was said that he would be we knew he's going to be cast into the prison. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be beat. He's going to be, as it were, scourged. He's going to be thrown. And as Joseph is significant concerning the coming Messiah, let me tell you what Genesis chapter 39 says in verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of the master and the magician, uh, or the Egyptian, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord made that all he did to prosper in his hand and when he was in prison in verse 23 the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand why because the Lord was with him and that which he did the Lord made it to prosper it is a weapon yes Joseph it has betrayed you yes Joseph it has sent you to the pit yes Joseph your brothers have turned against you yes Joseph but it is not designed to prosper. You ready? I'm at 21 minutes. I know where I'm at. I keep track. If my wife was here, she would know where I'm at. feel the Holy Ghost. You have got to make up in your mind right now. I don't know where your moment of complacency is. I don't know where you've stepped into this season. And you have let go of some things you need to hold on to. I don't know what you have not repented of yet. I don't know why you have not been baptized in Jesus name yet. I don't know what is holding you back. What fear. What tragedy. What offense. What hurt. What thing is not. Plugging you into the revival that God needs to do in this church. You let me speak to you for just a moment. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to criticize you. You don't know my life. You don't know what's trying to hold me back. You don't know that I'm facing the same discouragements and doubts. You have no idea. You don't know how much milk I like in my cereal. You don't know anything about me. But you hear me in the Holy Ghost. I know where I'm preaching. I know what I'm preaching right now. The weaponry is designed to defeat your faith. To get you to backslide slowly. To get you to walk away from things you need to be committed to. And you need to hear me in the Holy Ghost. You need to repent of everything. And you need to say, God, in the fear of the Holy Ghost, I'm stepping into victory. And I'm stepping into commitment. And I'm going to pray like never before. My pastor will never have to preach me out of my slump again. He may have to. I know that. But you better make up in your mind. I'm going to get behind the work of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I know you're facing that weapon. But it is not designed to prosper. It's not designed to prosper against this church. It's not designed to prosper against your family. Sit down for just a moment. you got to sit down for just a moment. I know they're not here. And I know you feel there needs to be another avenue of how they get in church. Help us, Lord. I know what you're facing seems that it needs something that you can't seem to find, even though you've worshiped and danced before. But you hear me. It's in the wisdom of God. He created the smith. He formed it to destroy but he also said it would not prosper. So let me remind you of one more thing in the text. In Isaiah chapter 53 of the coming Messiah. And this is where you need to grab hold. you ready? We're going to go back to the beginning of Isaiah chapter 54. I want you to put that on the screen. Sing, O barren. If you study it correctly, Israel is barren. And at the coming of the Messiah, Israel is barren. And it appears sometimes in your particular life right now that the victory tree, the olive tree, is barren. Am I in the right place? And in fact, you have not bore anything in this particular situation. And the child has not come yet. Thou did not travail with child. And you are desolate. Maybe you aren't. But the situation in which you look is desolate. Then you're at the right place. Because why he describes it this way is prophetic. The married wife is the children of the covenant of the law. And they are the children of the law that are given to prophetic utterance that God would uphold them. They are the children of Abraham. They're not misplaced. That's the married wife. And yet, they are desolate. Anybody believe that? That's who they are. They have two identities. They're the covenant people. And they're desolate. Jesus, help us right now. How can I be at a place where I'm in the covenant and yet I'm facing desolate situations? And in this season, you need to understand that we are no longer prophesying about the Messiah. That was in chapter 53. We are prophesying about those that would step into the covenant and more emphatically Those into the covenant of peace of the Messiah. And so he begins to say, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing. Cry aloud, those that did not travail with child, for more are going to be the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. I don't have time to preach it, but I feel the Holy Ghost just speaking to me right now. You will never get what you're going to get just because of what you think you can do in the covenant of your tradition and in the covenant of where you've come so far. You are going to have to get in the covenant of faith. You're going to have to walk in faith right now. You're going to have to quit trying to figure everything out. You're going to have to try and quit figuring out how this desolate place is going to become prosperous. But I've come to tell you no weapon is designed to prosper, but your desolate place is designed to prosper. If the music would come, I I don't mind if you sing that last song. You could start right at that first verse. And if I could sing like some of you, I would sing with them. You ready? We could stay in verse 1 all day. But let's go to verse 2. Enlarge! Why? Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. I'm telling you right now, speak to your situation and tell it to get ready to enlarge itself. Speak to your desolate place and say, be ready for the coming of the Messiah and the victory that is coming to my family. Brother Roberts... I want you to do something for me in a second here. I want you to step right there. Just step right there. You're going to have to move out of that pew. We're going to enlarge another pew right here. I'm not just talking about for the church. I'm talking about for those you're praying for, that God's going to use you. you told me a testimony yesterday of a Bible study. You said that people just kept coming. God's going to do it again. Enlarge the place of thy tent we don't do it physically stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation spare not lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes get it ready why 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 because God's coming and the desolate places are going to prosper You may be living in a place of discomfort from sin right now, but if you will repent, you're fixing to live in the prosperity of joy and in peace. If you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, submit to the teachings of the pastor. God will enlarge. Verse 3. You're going to break forth on the left. You're going to break forth on the right thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles now this was not meant to make them slaves or to encounter them in some historical term that they thought possible this was said the faith and the covenant that's in you is going to spread and overtake and they're going to become the children of Abraham also and not only are your desolate cities going to be great the desolate cities of the Gentiles are going to be inhabited you ought to praise God for that moment right there if you're a Gentile you ought to thank God that the weapon formed against the Gentiles would not prosper so let me put it in one more way the weaponry that has so stunned this nation so stunned this society and has maybe even worked evil in your family and has left as it were situations feeling desolate with no strength no life and some you look at even right now as the children of Israel walked into the New Testament with no will to even fight the weaponry that was deceiving and destroying their very foundation are you hearing me in the Holy Ghost among all of those people those that were deceived were popping up people of faith like the woman with the issue of blood that says no weapon formed against me shall prosper I shall be healed The woman whose daughter was grievously vexed with the devils, saying, No weapon formed against my daughter shall prosper. And there is no reversal of the wording in Isaiah chapter 54. The promise is not to the married, but to the desolate. The promise of prosperity is not to the weapon you are facing right now. But I want you to get this. The promise of prosperity is to the desolate city, the barren womb. Now you need to grab hold of that right here, right now in the Holy Ghost. That whatever you're facing, the weapon shall not prosper. How powerful does it look? How great of a weaponry does it look? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's come against your family so strong. It's come against every church. I'm preaching and walking through churches that are feeling the attack, not just of COVID, but the doubt and the fear and the things that are happening in the culture and where are we going next? But the weaponry has no destiny. The desolate places have a destiny where it's the darkest in your situation right now, that has a destiny, for the Robbins. So I told you at the very beginning, stand with me, that I could not tell it like Job, but I'm gonna let him tell it. You ready? Job lost his health at the weaponry of the enemy. Job lost his family at the weaponry of the enemy. He faced a weaponry that would try and destroy his faith. It would suggested that he curse God and die. It was suggested that the boils on his body would not only destroy his life and bring him to a place of desolation, but it would kill him. And yet, he would not let the deception win. And let yet, he would not let the enemy and the weaponry take hold. And Job held on. And we understand it in the passage of Job chapter 42, that the destiny of the weaponry formed against Job was under the creative power of God. God said, go ahead. I have ordained it. But I want to tell you something, Satan. I have not designed it to prosper. Woo. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job. More than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And though Job never named any of his previous children, and though he did not name his second set of seven sons, He did name his first, or his three daughters, and he named them Jemima, Jemima, and the name of the second, Kiza, and the name of the third, Karen Hapak. And I may not have pronounced them right, but I can tell you what they mean. Jemima means beauty like the day. It may be the night, but the weapon was not formed to prosper. The second name was that of a precious ointment used as a perfume. Not only was it dark and it didn't smell very good, but it's going to come out smelling like the blossom of a revival. And the third was the name of the most beautiful. And so it is that the Bible said that in the next verse, His daughters were the most beautiful and fairest as there were. And Job said, listen to me. There was no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And what shall prosper out of this night is not the weaponry. But what shall prosper out of this night shall be the beauty and the day and the aroma of the smell of God's oil. It's coming back like it never has before now I don't know how you're going to respond but I just like in the Holy Ghost they're going to put those words of that verse up there help me Holy Ghost help somebody Holy Ghost and when they begin to sing those words Brother Wilson I'd like us all Joshua I'd like us all everyone in this place, to set your affection on the Holy Ghost and say, God, I'm going to grab hold right now in faith because it's not the weapon that is formed to prosper, but it is my destiny. It's not the darkness that is going to prevail, but I am going to see a victory. You ready? Come on, somebody in the Holy Ghost. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to begin right now. We may not be able to move, but we're just going to have a move of the Holy Ghost for a second. Come on, somebody begin to sing it. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, cheeks. I'm going to wait.